Happy holidays, listeners. We are thrilled to bring you a special playlist all about Shabbat. If you like these stories, be sure to check out the other shows on our PJ Library Presents podcast network. We've got not one, not two, but three special Shabbat playlists available across all of our shows this week. Snuggle up and let me read you a little something. Say goodbye to it and settle right in For hugs, snuggles, stories and more And so many sweet things in store mm-hmm. Welcome to Afternoons with Mimi No time to talk, Mimi! I'm about to beat level 54 And then I'll have one more to go before I get the triple game prize pack Excuse me. Hold on. Just need to unpause. Do you have a charger? I don't want to run out of batteries. Wait a minute. Slow down. So close. So close. No! No, no, no! Mimi, I lost! Okay. Take a breather there, Neshama. Now, I know this game is serious business, but when you come into my house, I expect you to at least say hello and tell me a little something about your day before you dive into a video game. Sorry, Mimi. Hello. I love you. Okay, I'm off to play. Uh, time out. I need you to help me get ready for Shabbat dinner. But Mimi, I'm so close. I just have one more Mm, level to... No buts. Come help me set the table and settle down. The sun will be setting soon and your family and our friends are coming over for dinner. Give me a hand, please. Ugh, I just wanted to play my game. And now when Ema gets here, I know she'll take it away until after lunchtime tomorrow. A little time away from your game will do you some good. Now please, finish setting out the napkins. And here's the cover for the challah. Ah, great job. I'm working so much faster with you here. <clears throat> Kiddo, can you please check in the long drawer in the kitchen to see if I have another set of candlesticks? Okay, Mimi. And no sneaking off to play that game. I mean it. I want to spend time with you. All right, Mimi. I found some birthday candles. Will these work? We will make do. Okay, there's the cups, the plates, the challahs on the stove, the crock pot's on warm, the pot over there has the main course, the salad's in the fridge. (sighs) I think we're done and have just enough time to... Play another round of my game! Mm, I was going to say, read a story. Oh, I guess that could be nice, too. I think you'll like this one. It just came in the mail, and it's all about resting on Shabbat. But I don't want to rest. I want to play my game. Well, let's see what happens in this story. Maybe you'll understand why a little rest is good for you. Yitzi the Trusty Tractor. Written by Naomi Shulman. Illustrated by Shelley Cuvillon. Farmer Sarah's veggies were delicious and nutritious. She always rode her trusty tractor, Yitzi. Together, they did the hard, fun work of farming. I couldn't do it without my trusty Yitzi, Sarah always said. Yitzi wasn't just trusty. He was also a little musty and a little rusty. But Sarah knew when to change his oil. She knew how to handle his clutch. She knew the right way to switch his gears. 
We're a great team, Sarah said. Rrrr, Yitzi answered. Sarah and Yitzi did their hard fun work every single day, except on Shabbat. Every Friday evening, Yitzi powered down his headlights just as Sarah was about to light candles. Then Sarah sipped a little grape juice as Yitzi sipped a little gasoline. Sarah munched challah as she sat on Yitzi's hood, and they both watched the darkening sky. Shabbat shalom, Sarah said, giving Yitzi a pat. On Saturday, Sarah and Yitzi picnicked under the trees and took naps by the river. Sarah would read books out loud to Yitzi. When three stars appeared in the night sky, Shabbat was over, and Sarah and Yitzi were ready for another week of hard, fun work. But as hard as they both worked, Sarah had trouble paying all of her bills. Eventually, a very sad day came. Sarah couldn't afford Yitzi's gasoline. She knew what she had to do. I'm so sorry, Yitzi, Sarah said tearfully. I'll make sure you go to a good home. Rrrr, Yitzi answered understandingly. Sarah's neighbor, Farmer Ruthie, noticed the sign. She'd always wished her veggies could be as delicious and nutritious as Sarah's. Maybe Yitzi could help, she thought. I'm here to buy your tractor, she said. You'll have to change his oil every month, Sarah told Ruthie. I will, Ruthie agreed. And switch his gears slowly, Sarah said. I will, Ruthie agreed. And handle his clutch gently, the way I do, Sarah said. I'll do everything the way you do, Ruthie promised. Sarah knew Ruthie would give Yitzi a good home. Ruthie and Yitzi worked all week long in Ruthie's field, and trusty Yitzi worked just as hard as ever. Meanwhile, Sarah missed Yitzi and their hard, fun work. Yitzi missed Sarah, too. When Friday evening came, Ruthie and Yitzi were motoring down the fields. Suddenly, Yitzi's engine stopped. What's wrong, Yitzi? Ruthie asked. Are you too musty and rusty to keep going? Yitzi didn't answer. Ruthie looked at all the gauges on Yitzi's dashboard. Everything seemed okay. I don't get it, Yitzi, she said. Why did you stop working? Yitzi still didn't answer. He powered down his headlights and rested all night. And the next morning, Yitzi kept resting. Ruthie marched across the field to Sarah's farm. Your tractor isn't working, she complained. Worried, Sarah ran over to Ruthie's field. But when Sarah got there, Yitzi looked fine and very happy to see her. Sarah hugged Yitzi and then returned to Ruthie. I know what's going on, she said. It's Shabbat. So, demanded Ruthie. He's resting, Sarah explained. That's what Yitzi and I do every Shabbat. He'll work even better for you tomorrow. You'll see. Sure enough, Yitzi rested until Saturday night when three stars appeared in the sky. Then his headlights popped back on. Rrrr, he said, ready to start working again. And Ruthie found that he did, indeed, work even harder the next day. She also realized just how much Yitzi had been missing Sarah. So Ruthie and Sarah decided they would share trusty Yitzi. He worked in Ruthie's field one day and Sarah's the next. Then Sarah and Ruthie sold their delicious, nutritious veggies at the same table at the farmer's market. When they worked together, the work was less hard and more fun, and now they could both pay their bills. (laughs) We're a great team, Sarah and Ruthie said happily.
Rrrr, Yitzi agreed. And every Shabbat, the three of them rested together. The end. What do you think? Hmm, so Yitzi worked better after he took a rest? Yep. And the farmers had more vegetables? Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe I'll be better at my game if I take a break? Bingo! You can't run on an empty tank. Shabbat gives us a chance to rest and refuel after a busy week of school, work, activities, and errands. And just like Yitzi knows when it's time to power down his headlights, I hope you learn when it's best to power down your game and spend some time with your family and loved ones. Speaking of... They're here! Go answer the door and let everyone in, Nishama Shali. Hi! Hello! Shabbat Shalom! Snuggle up and let me read you a little something. Have a seat, a bite to eat, and settle right in. For hugs, snuggles, stories, and more, and so many sweet things in store. Welcome to Afternoons with Mimi. Well, hello, my heart. Isn't this a change? I get to spend all day with you, not just after school. Hmm, what's that smell? I smell your coffee and something else, like a a kind of pizza dough, I guess. Close. It's my challah dough. Since you're spending the day with me while Ima and Baba take your baby brother to his appointment... I thought we could bake some challah together. Ooh, I've never gotten to bake real challah before. I thought you made it at Tat Shabbat. When I was little? No, that was Play-Doh. And at home, I know Baba likes to buy it from the bakery. Yes, Mr. Santiago has been making challah since Baba's parents first came to America. That's a long time. Probably like 40 years or something. (laughs) It was a little longer than that. Well, we've got to get you started on challah baking, then. Come on over here and wash your hands. And give them a quick dry. And now, climb right up here. Okay, and now what do I do? Stick out your hands. Hey! (laughs) You'll need a little flour in your hands so they don't stick to the dough. We're going to punch down the dough like this. And then we will cut it into even pieces. Do you want to try? Is that good? Perfect. Now we'll take each of these little clumps of dough and roll it out into a long... Snake! I remember. Just like our Play-Doh. And then we start the braid. Exactly. Mimi? Yes? Why do we always eat challah on Fridays? You always have the best questions. Why do you think we eat challah? Because it... Tastes good? You're actually onto something there. Oh, good job. Now pull this strand over here. And one more to the right. Perfect. So, 
onto why we eat challah. You remember the story of Exodus? When the Jewish people left Egypt and were in the desert? Yes. After the Israelites were freed from slavery and were wandering in the desert, they ate the manna that fell from heaven, which they collected daily. On Friday, a double portion of manna fell, allowing everyone to rest on Shabbat. Manna? Think of it like the most delicious food you've ever tasted. It's very special. Like a treat? Sort of. In the story, the Israelites are hungry and wandering in the desert, and God gives them manna from heaven to eat. But you're only supposed to take one portion. Except on Friday, for Shabbat? Yep. And so challah tastes like this manna stuff? Well, challah is sweet and special, and many families make two loaves as a beautiful reminder of the special double delivery of manna. Okay, I get it. Oh, how does this look? A wonderful first challah. I messed it up right here. It's a little wonky. <laughs> That's fine. It will still be delicious, and we'll just have to keep baking challah together. Mimi, I have another question. Why do we braid the challah? Is it to make it look fancy? Sure. The braids sure look pretty. But that's not the only reason why. Some people say the braids look like intertwining arms, a reminder of a warm, loving hug. Or that the strands of a braid represent truth, peace, and justice. Some bakers, like Mr. Santiago, who you mentioned, braid their loaves to have 12 bumps, symbolizing the 12 tribes of Israel. And another explanation may be that the braids represent the diverse backgrounds and beliefs that come together to form the Jewish people and humanity. And the braids do make the challah look super fancy and special. For a special day of the week. And I just thought of another reason. Tante Judith used to say that a braid represents unity. After all, a tight braid is difficult to break. And sometimes we make other shapes, right? Yes, though still braided. We braid around challah for... Rosh Hashanah! <laughs> yep. And you've seen Mr. Santiago make other special shapes, too. Oh, yeah. Like one time he made a key. Yes, for the Shabbat after Passover. Now, let's pop these into the oven. And what do you say we do an art project? Well, my heart, we have had one productive day. Do you mean we did a lot of things? Because we did a lot of things. We baked our challah, made a painting with leaves from the yard, fed Sal the cat, walked to the little free library to pick a new story, visited Mr. Lieberman at home, had lunch with your friend Babs, and what else? There were like two other things. Hopscotch and rest time. Oh yeah, I took a long rest. Now we set the table. Here are the forks. And the cup for the grape juice. Wonderful helping. Now, what are we missing? The kibbe. Yes. We'll leave that in the oven a little longer. And what else? The challah. And the cover. Mimi? Mm, yes? Why do we cover the challah? Every grown-up I ask has a different answer. Oh, what have you heard so far? Maura Ari says, it's tradition. Baba says it's so the bread won't be embarrassed. But can bread even be embarrassed? Well, that's just an expression, but we can think of it like this. Blessings have a set order, and according to the Torah, wheat comes after grapes. So we cover the challah to be respectful, so it won't be ashamed to come after the Shabbat blessing of the wine. Does your Ima say anything about covering the bread? Ima just laughs and tickles me and says, To keep little hands from stealing bites. 
<laughs> Squeeze on over here and let me tell you a little something. <laughs> a very, very, very long time ago, the rabbis would eat Shabbat dinner on very small tables. Our kitchen table is big enough that we can have our challah and wine and all of our food on it at the same time. But back then, some people say they could only fit one or two items at a time. So the food was covered, so everyone would remember not to eat it until after the blessing was said. The Kiddush? Yes, exactly. It's a special blessing that reminds us that beginning Shabbat is a special time. A holy time. We learned that one at school. You did? Now back in those old days, the rabbis would cover the challah and the rest of their food to remind themselves that the meal could not start until Shabbat was welcomed in with Kiddush. As your Uncle Johnny used to say, no eating until we've said all the blessings. So they would only be able to have things on their little table one at a time. But they had to bless the grape juice first. The bread got covered so no one would eat it by accident. Yes, that's one reason, a historical one. But as you pointed out, there are lots of wonderful traditions and explanations that people share with each other year after year. It's them! It's them! <laughs> I'll set these last few things on the table. You go open the door for your family and our guests. Shabbat Shalom, everybody! To learn more about Shabbat traditions and customs and find some easy challah recipes and printable blessing cards, visit pjlibrary.org backslash Shabbat. That's pjlibrary.org slash Shabbat. Snuggle up and let me read you a little something. Grab a seat, a bite to eat, and settle right in. For hugs, snuggles, stories, and more, and so many sweet things in store. See you soon, everyone. All right, kiddo, let's go in and wash up. What do you feel like for snack today? Fish. Um, fish with couscous. Really? Huh. Well, that is a mature choice. Okay, spiced fish with couscous it is. You're sure? Yep, fish. Not cookies? Nope. Not my special peanut butter and blueberry blintzes? Uh-uh. Not my world-famous wild and crazy spicy burritos? Fish with couscous. I insist. Okay, had to double-check. You're in luck. I actually just finished making a batch for Shabbat. Oh, Mimi, any chance you can make a little extra? I had no idea you had such an appetite for my fabulous spiced fish dish. Actually... Yes? It's for my friend, Sal. Or at least that's what I call him. I think it's a him. Sal is a cat. He lives in my neighborhood, but he doesn't really belong to anyone. He follows me to school. <sighs> Oh, well, that's adorable. It is a mitzvah to be kind to animals, after all. How much do you think he would like? That's good. And here's your plate. Now tell me about Sal. Well, he's got a long, skinny body and kind of a football-shaped head. He's mostly white with some gray. It almost looks like he wears a little jacket. And he has extra toes. 
Ima says he's so ugly, he's cute. Oh, I can't wait to meet him. And Mr. Lieberman's big German shepherd, Mothra, is scared of him. Which is really great, because Mothra always barks at me when I pass by. It makes me a little nervous. But ever since Sal started walking with me, he leaves me alone. Well, let me get an extra helping for Sal. Any kitty that keeps my grandkiddo safe is all right by me. And I see Mr. Lieberman at bingo. I'll talk to him about Mothra. Maybe he can bring him inside while you're walking back and forth to school. Thanks, Mimi. I think I'll be okay. As long as Sal is with me, I feel brave. Well, I have just the story for this afternoon, then. Is it about a boy and a cat? In a way. So snuggle on up and let me read you something. This is the story of the Sabbath lion, a folktale from Algeria, a country in northern Africa. More than Israel has kept the Sabbath, the Sabbath has kept Israel. Ahad Ha'am Long ago, in the faraway city of Algiers, there lived a Jewish widow and her seven children. She had to work from dawn until dark to feed her large family. The woman's eldest son, Yosef, was only ten years old, but he tried to help his mother as much as he could. Every day except Saturday, Yosef went to the marketplace to sweep the shopkeeper's stalls and keep their baskets full of fresh fruits and vegetables. Because he was such a good worker, the shopkeepers gave Yosef a small bag of rice, a few oranges, and every now and then, nuts and dates to take home to his family. Young Yosef rested only on the Sabbath. How he loved and honored this holy day. On Friday evenings, his mother lit the Sabbath candles and said a blessing. Then Yosef, holding his glass high, said the blessing over the wine, and raising the challah, a braided loaf that his mother baked on Friday mornings, he said the blessing over this special Sabbath bread. After that, Yosef and all the children turned to the door and sang a song welcoming the Sabbath queen. Come, O Sabbath queen, and bring peace and blessings on thy wing. Then they had their finest meal of the week, with candles glowing brightly around them. On Saturday mornings, Yosef and his brothers walked to the synagogue to pray. Yosef did not travel or do any work on the Sabbath because it was forbidden, and he knew that a peaceful Sabbath gave him the strength to work hard the rest of the week. One day, when Yosef was working in the market, he saw a stranger speaking to one of the shopkeepers. He overheard the man ask where a certain family could be found. Yosef ran over. "'That's my family!' he cried. "'Let me lead you to my house!' And when they arrived there, the stranger handed Yosef's mother a letter. Then he bowed and left. Yosef's mother read the letter and turned pale. "'What's the matter, mother?' the children asked. Their mother answered, "'Strange news has come our way. It seems that your father had an uncle who lived in the city of Cairo in the land of Egypt.' And when he died, there was no one to leave his fortune to, so he left it to us. Hearing this, the children gasped. Soon they would have money for food and maybe even a few new clothes. Yet their mother still looked worried. The money would be a great blessing, she said. But I would have to travel all the way to Egypt to claim it. How can I take seven young children on such a long journey? I have no one to leave you with, and you're too young to be left alone." Please, mother, said Yosef, let me go to Cairo to get it. 
But Yosef, you are too young. The sun is very hot. Wild animals live in the desert. No, no, no. It would not be safe for you to cross the desert. Please, mother, begged Yosef, have faith in God. Has he not sent us a great blessing? We must not ignore it. When Yosef's mother saw how strong her son's faith was, she finally agreed to let him go. But it was very expensive to travel across the desert, for he must join a caravan. Yosef's mother emptied all the hidden boxes in which she had been saving money for Passover and found just enough for the journey. Then she rushed out of the house to pay the leader of the caravan for Yosef's trip. Because Yosef would not travel on the Sabbath, she asked the caravan leader if he would agree to rest on the Sabbath day. But the leader said, It is dangerous to rest in the hot desert where wild animals attack. If you want us to stop on your Sabbath, you will have to pay more. And the man named a large sum of money. Yosef's mother was shocked. She had already given him all her savings. What else could she do? So the poor woman sold her gold wedding ring, the only valuable possession she had left. Then she gave the money to the leader of the caravan in exchange for his promise to rest on the Sabbath. The caravan left Algiers early Sunday morning. In his sack, Yosef carried a letter from his mother explaining that she had sent her son to collect the family's inheritance. He also took a pouch with candles, a small bottle of wine, a wine cup, and a little challah his mother had baked so he could celebrate the Sabbath even when he was far away from home. So too did he bring a wooden spice box and a candle with many wicks for the blessings at the end of the Sabbath. The caravan trudged through the vast desert. Everywhere Yosef looked, he saw sand and only sand. The days passed slowly. The camels walked carefully across the burning sands, and the caravan would rest only when it was almost dark. Then Yosef would climb down from his camel and help the men set up tents for the night and gather brush for the campfire. And at the first sight of dawn, the caravan would be once again on its way. Six long days passed, and finally it was Friday afternoon, almost the eve of the Sabbath. Yosef went to the leader of the caravan to remind him of their agreement. What agreement? the man asked, much to Yosef's dismay. I don't know of any agreement. Why, my mother sold her wedding ring and paid you to stop on the Sabbath. You promised, shouted Yosef, beginning to cry. The leader of the caravan stared boldly into Yosef's eyes. We are going on, he said, for there is still a bit of daylight left and tomorrow we will ride all day. If you want to come with us, come. If not, stay here by yourself. Yosef looked up and saw that before long the sun would be setting, and he knew that he had to prepare for the Sabbath. Well, are you coming? asked the caravan leader, his voice nasty and impatient. Poor Yosef wanted to continue with the caravan where he would be safe. But no matter what the dangers were, even if he were to be lost in the desert forever— Yosef could never disobey the laws of the Sabbath. And so his answer to the leader was firm. No, I'm not coming. Go on without me. I must stay behind. And as the camels of the caravan left, he watched them disappear into the distance until he could see nothing but a cloud of dust. The sun was setting and the Sabbath was about to begin. Yosef knew that he must light the campfire quickly before the sunset and that he must put enough brush on the fire to burn through the night. This he did, and then, as it grew dark, he sat down and sang his song to the Sabbath queen. 
Come, O Sabbath Queen, and bring peace and blessing on thy wing. Come, O Sabbath Queen, and bring peace and blessings on thy wing. There Yosef sat, surrounded by the desert without even a tree for shelter, with only the fire to keep wild animals away. He was afraid, so he closed his eyes and prayed with all his heart. But when he opened them, he saw something that made him tremble. For there in the distance was a huge lion moving swiftly in his direction. As the lion came closer, Yosef froze in terror, certain that his life was about to end. But when the lion was so close that Yosef could almost touch it, the huge beast quietly lay down at his feet. Yosef was afraid that the lion would pounce on him, but when it turned its head, Yosef saw that its eyes were kind. Then he opened his pouch and took out the candles, the challah, the wine, and the wine cup. He lit the candles in the fire, and in a clear voice he recited all the blessings. As he did so, he was filled with a feeling of peace, as if he were at home celebrating the Sabbath with his mother and his brothers and sisters. Soon afterward, he fell asleep. Yosef awoke at dawn, and there was the lion, still watching over him. The hours of the day passed. Yosef sang Sabbath songs and recited Sabbath prayers. He felt as calm and peaceful as he had the night before, and never once during all that time did the lion move from where it lay. Yosef was glad that he was not alone, and he was thankful for the company of his Sabbath friend. At last the sun set, and Yosef took out his wooden spice box, the candle with many wicks, and a cup of wine, and he said the special prayers for the end of the Sabbath. All this time the lion seemed to listen patiently, and then, when the prayers were over, the lion's kind eyes looked into Yosef's. It was then that the boy understood what had happened. The Sabbath queen had sent the lion as a wonderful present to protect him. He stroked the lion's mane and put his arms around its neck. The lion brushed its tail against its back, which was the lion's way of telling Yosef that it wanted him to mount. And no sooner did Yosef do so than the lion raced off across the desert with the boy clinging to its mane, while the moon and the stars lit their way. Soon they arrived at an oasis where there were lush fig trees and a clear freshwater pool. After a long cool drink and a meal of figs, Yosef felt much better. He sent a prayer of thanks, and then he and the lion set off again. Early Sunday morning, Yosef saw a cloud of dust in the distance. It was the caravan. The lion had caught up with it in only one night. Now when the travelers saw a great lion with someone riding on it, they were terrified. They quickly threw themselves down before Yosef, afraid the lion would devour them all. The caravan leader watched in fear as the lion brought Yosef directly to him. In a shaky voice, he welcomed Yosef back and asked him to be the new leader. He also gave back every penny Yosef's mother had paid him, and never again did he break a promise as long as he lived. So it was that Yosef and the Sabbath lion led the caravan all the rest of the way to Cairo. There they rode through the narrow streets where people screamed and scattered this way and that, running from the huge beast coming toward them. 
Soon the lion, with the boy still on its back, arrived at the office where Yosef was to collect the money. From their hiding places, everyone watched in amazement as the lion stood guard and Yosef went inside. A short time later, clutching two bags of silver coins, he came out, jumped on the lion's back, and rode away. Yosef and the lion sped through the desert once more, and before long, Yosef saw the walled city of Algiers, where his mother, brothers, and sisters awaited him. Suddenly, the lion stopped. Yosef knew that the lion had completed its task. The time had come to bid his friend goodbye. He petted the lion and hugged it hard. The lion nodded as it rubbed against Yosef. Then it ran off into the desert and disappeared. With one last look behind him, Yosef passed through the gates of the city and hurried down to the streets of Algiers to his home. When Yosef's family saw that he was home unharmed, they said prayers of thanks. And now that he had completed his task, the family could buy food and clothing and, yes, even a silver spice box for the closing of the Sabbath. And every Sabbath after that, the children begged Yosef to tell them his story, and he gladly did. For never did a Sabbath pass that he did not remember the Sabbath queen and the wonderful lion she sent to him. The end. Wow! Mimi, that story was awesome! That lion was just like Sal, helping Yosef be brave enough to cross that long desert. Well, perhaps Sal is a little bit of a lion, too. I think so. Thanks, Mimi. Now, let's pack up this fish, minus the couscous, and see if we can't find Sal and give him a little treat. There's your parents. Go ahead and take some extra food for Ima and Baba, too. Bye, Mimi. I love you so. Bye-bye, Neshama Shuli, my beautiful soul. The Sabbath Lion, a Jewish folktale from Algeria. Retold by Howard Schwartz and Barbara Rush. Illustrated by Stephen Pfizer. Published by PJ Publishing. 